This is Carrie D. Welcome to the Coffee with Carrie Homeschool Podcast. Join me every Thursday for some much needed encouragement, coffee, and conversation. It's my prayer this podcast will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. Hey, if you're blessed each week by our podcast, Coffee with Carrie, then make sure you check out my book, Just Breathe, and take a sip of coffee, Homeschool and Step with God. And then share our podcast with some of your homeschooling friends who might need a little encouragement too. You can also find me at Instagram at Coffee with Carrie Consultant or at our website, coffeewithcarrie.org. So stick around, pour yourself a cup of coffee, put your feet up, and take a little coffee break with me. I think, no, I know, you're going to be encouraged. Our little backyard is our sanctuary. It's where many of our homeschooling lessons took place. Actually, it's where most of my cherished memories have been created of our homeschooling journey. You know, a few weeks back, I did a podcast on adventure clubs and nature days. I interviewed a friend of mine, Cynthia Garcia, and we talked about how to organize adventure clubs, how to do nature studies, how to incorporate hikes and nature journals into your weekly lessons or your morning time basket, and the benefits of being outdoors with your kiddos. Now, since that podcast, I've gotten quite a few emails and messages from moms who love the idea, but they don't have friends nearby that they could do nature studies with. Or from moms who say that they love the idea, but they don't really live near places that they can explore or hike. So I wanted to share in this week's podcast the simplest way to explore nature and to do nature studies. The best place to do it? Explore your own backyard. Discover the hidden treasures living outside your own home. Don't have a backyard? No problem. Just keep listening. I'll share how to create a little sanctuary, even in the smallest of spaces, to bring some of God's beautiful creation into your little outdoor space. So why start in your backyard? Well, one afternoon, after playing in the backyard, my son entered the house covered in dirt. As he reached over to give me a hug, I was overwhelmed by this refreshing scent. It immediately reminded me of my childhood shenanigans in my aunt's backyard so many years ago. You know, she had one of those yards that just went on for days, and it was filled with flowers and bushes and vines and a beautiful oak tree right smack in the middle of it. Well, I couldn't place the aroma on my son, so I asked him to show me where he was playing. Tucked away in the corner of our yard was a small sapling of a rosemary bush. My son was climbing the fence near it, and as a result, its oils saturated his clothes and his hair as he brushed up against it. Now, the scent followed him everywhere he went that day. My daughter was so intrigued that the smell drenched his skin and hair and clothes that it actually began a week-long search for information on Rosemary. What was it? Where did it come from? What was it good for? She also noticed that it looked like a little baby Christmas tree. So was it an evergreen or was it an herb? I, of course, was super excited that I now had fresh rosemary to add to my cooking. That week, in our nature journals, 
my son drew a sprig of rosemary and then a cartoon of himself running around with the smell following behind him. And my daughter, she drew rosemary in her nature journal and added all of the information that she found out about it. I added it to my nature journal too, but I added the new recipe that I found using rosemary. Now, our little backyard, like yours, it's full of little treasures just waiting to be found. This is how we found wild mint growing in our yard, too. There was a section covered in bright green foliage that we had never noticed before. It must have been a small little shoot hidden underneath the tomato plants. But once the tomato plant began to thin out, then we were able to see the mint that was quickly covering the ground below it. When we picked it, it was quite obvious from the smell that it was mint. But to be sure, I used the Picture This app to make sure it wasn't poisonous or it wasn't a weed that we couldn't eat. Once we were sure it was mint, we picked it and we used it in everything. We made cucumber sandwiches for our poetry tea parties. We put it in our sun tea. We chewed on it when we were playing in the yard to freshen our breath. This discovery led to another week of nature inquiry. We learned that mint is a natural insect repellent, which explained why the tomato plants that season weren't invaded that summer. We also learned it's one of nature's ways of soothing a stomach ache. We had so much of it that we added it to everything. We put it in our BLT sandwiches, our smoothies, our salads, and of course I made tons of pesto. Now, that week, we each drew mint in our nature journals and recorded next to the illustrations the many different benefits and uses of mint. Now, one winter, we noticed an abundance of hummingbirds in our yard. Now, hummingbirds visit our yard, but not this frequently. My son, who's fascinated with hummingbirds, was determined to find out why so many were making our backyard their home now. After observing them for a few days, he realized that they were attracted to the new bed of impatience that my husband planted. The tiny birds would first hover over the impatience, and then they would flutter to another bright tubular flower in our yard. After finding out the secret of these pretty little pink treasures in our yard, my husband and son then planted tons of impatience all around the house. Now we have an abundance of hummingbirds who visit our yard. One summer, when my daughter and her friend were playing in the yard, they discovered a dried up seven inch long snake skin. I know. I had no idea we had such a large reptile in our mist, but based on the molting evidence, we had a common gardener snake chilling out in our little backyard sanctuary. Now, my first instinct was to find it and get rid of it. But my daughter went to work learning everything she could. She used the patterns on the dried up skin to figure out that it was a harmless garter snake and that they weren't dangerous at all. She also convinced my husband to just let it remain in our yard because it fed on the pests and the insects that infected his flowers and were ruining his vegetable garden. Thank God I never came face to face with this little slithering creature, but we did continue to find evidence that it was still in our garden and it was still growing. That week, my son drew the dried up snake skin and learned about why snakes shed their skin and the process involved. And my daughter, she drew a garter snake, she colored it, she labeled it, and she wrote a little poem about it in her nature journal. I think my favorite memory, though, is of Mr. Blue Jay. One winter, a beautiful blue jay visited our yard almost every day. 
My son loved watching this bird. He put out bird seed for it, and he made bird feeders so it would visit even more. We noticed, though, it was always alone. Then one morning, my son found three little bird eggs in the grass underneath the tree. All three eggs were broken from the fall, and sadly, two of the baby birds had died. But there was one little birdie still alive and trying to get out of its shell. I called a few places to ask, you know, what to do with it. Many wouldn't take the baby bird, and several places told me to just let it die. Well, that wasn't an option for my son, so we made a little nest out of a box, we put on our gloves, and we placed the baby bird carefully in a homemade nest. We researched what to feed it and how to feed it. It was so tiny. We took it inside for a week to keep it warm and to make sure the mama bird didn't attack it because, you know, our scent was on it. When it was able to jump around and move its wings, we placed it outside one morning in its little home under the tree. Mr. Blue Jay was there waiting, and boy was he making quite a ruckus. It was obvious he or she (laughs) didn't want us around the baby bird. We left and went inside and watched through the window. Mr. Blue Jay fed it. Later that day, the baby bird was gone. We prayed it was okay, and then we just left it at that. But then a few weeks later, Mr. Blue Jay was back with another bird. It didn't have an awful lot of blue feathers yet, so we just assumed it was our little baby bird all grown up. Now the next winter, Mr. Blue Jay returned, but his feathers were a richer, darker blue. We think it was actually the baby Blue Jay that we had found the year before, and not our original Mr. Blue Jay. To this day, Mr. Blue Jay, or at least members of his family, still hang out in our yard. It's one of our favorite things to look for each winter. So why do I tell you these little stories? Well, it's my hope that it inspires you to look for the little treasures already in your yard, to look for the little miracles all around you in your backyard. Your backyard is the best place to start nature studies and nature journaling. And if you want, it's really all you need. God's beautiful and miraculous creations are all around us. So what else can you do in your backyard or in your tiny little porch area to encourage exploration and easy nature studies? Well, first, if you haven't started a nature journal, start one this week. Check out Coffee with Carrie podcasts, two of them. One of them's called Nature Studies, and another one is the one I did with Cynthia a few weeks back called Adventure Clubs and Nature Days. Now, just start observing and drawing. I love starting with the book, One Small Square, The Backyard, by Donald Silver. Basically, you dig a hole that's a one-by-one foot square in your yard, and you explore it, you observe it, and you survey it. The book has great ideas, activities, and information about the typical things that you'll probably find living in a typical backyard. Now, when the kids were younger, we dug our one-by-one square foot, and we read a page a week. We would look for things mentioned in the book, and then we try to learn more about them during the week. After we finished the book, One Small Square, each week we would just pick something in our yard to observe, to draw, to label, and to learn more about. I also love using the book Nature Anatomy by Rothman. Now, to help your kids become backyard experts, try creating a scavenger hunt specific for the plants and animals in your yard, or just create a generic one. Like, find a leaf with three lobes. Find a small, medium, and large rock. Find evidence of a bird. Find a worm. 
It can be super simple for the little ones, or it can be very challenging for the older kids. You can also use the game Go Find It, outdoor nature treasure hunt card game for families. It comes with these beautiful laminated cards with pictures on the front of them. The best part is that the cards are open-ended adjectives. They say stuff like, find something that's furry, find something delicate, find something round, find something tall. This game really does help with the exploration, but it also helps build grammar, spelling, vocabulary, and reading skills. Then, pick something they found on the treasure hunt to observe, to draw, to label, and to learn more about. Or you can play colors in Nature Scavenger Hunt. Give them a list of things to find in your backyard with certain colors, like find a pink flower, find a colorful insect, find a brown seed pod, find anything yellow. Again, it can be super easy and broad or very specific and challenging for the older kids. Try playing Nature Bingo. It's super easy to create. You just make a 4x4 or a 5x5 bingo cards, and in each square, put a picture of something to find in your yard. Maybe it's a picture of a bird, some scat, (laughs) a leaf with a hole in it, or a roly-poly bug. Sometimes I would create a new bingo card as the seasons changed and as new things were growing and living and being found in our yard. Now, the most obvious way to discover treasures in your backyard is to plant a garden. If you have the space, plant new seeds each season. For seven years in a row, we had a large pumpkin vine that started from one little pumpkin seed that my son brought home from Scouts. When he was five, we planted the little seed in the spring, we harvested it in fall, we carved it for Halloween, and then we used the pulp for pumpkin pies at Thanksgiving. Now we kept all the seeds from that one pumpkin, we dried them up, we stored them until the following spring, and then we planted those seeds the next spring and did the same thing in the fall. Year after year, for seven years straight, we planted seeds from the pumpkins harvested the year before. Now, if you don't have space, you can plant a garden on your porch made with little tiny pots all around. Grow tomatoes or strawberries in little pots. Plant an herb garden. On our porch, we have a tea herb pot, we have a pizza herb pot, and we have a general herb pot. In our herb teapot, I planted different herbs that make great teas or herbs that flavor teas like chamomile or lavender. I have lemon balm in it and different varieties of mint. In my little pizza herb pot, I planted oregano, basil, different varieties of parsley, some thyme, green onions, and sometimes I even try and grow some garlic bulbs. And then in my general herb pot, I have rosemary, sage, cilantro, dill, and fennel. Now, if you do plant a garden, think about starting a compost too. You can create a small one in your backyard, or you can create one in a bucket to place in your kitchen. Now, if you have one in your backyard, it is super fun for the kids to keep it going. It gets really gross, but talk about a worm haven. Now, if you do one that you can keep in your kitchen, you can purchase an indoor compost bin for as little as $30 off of Amazon, or you can go ahead and create your own out of a bucket. There are tons of versions and instructions online. How about trying to attract some butterflies or hummingbirds to your backyard by planting certain flowers? Have your kids research what flowers butterflies like and which flowers hummingbirds prefer. Then go ahead and plant some of these flowers. 
Then after you plant the flowers, try making or buying different kinds of bird feeders to add to your yard. We loved making organic homemade bird feeders for the finches and jays that visit our yard. And after hatching butterflies each Easter, my husband planted several flowers and vines that painted ladies love to visit. At Christmas time, we decorate our outside tree with strings of fresh berries and cranberries. It has seeds on it and fruit slices that we cut up. And we string it on the tree, we go inside, and we watch the animals enjoy feasting on our decorated tree. You can keep it even more simple than this. You can just make sun prints outside, search for worms, do some leaf rubbings, or create a little mini weather station in your yard. Explore nature and start in your backyard. Become experts on the wildlife and plants growing in your own little sanctuary. No matter the size or location of your backyard or your patio, I'm positive there's a treasure trove of tiny little miracles waiting to be found and explored. Thank you for hanging out with me and for joining me for this little coffee break. If this is your first time joining us, you can find us at our website, coffeewithcarry.org. We also have daily devotions and homeschooling tips at our Instagram account, Coffee with Carrie Consultant. Don't forget to check out my book, Just Breathe and Take a Sip of Coffee, Homeschool and Step with God. You can purchase it on Amazon. I have the link in the show notes. Hey y'all, the countdown to the 100th episode is on. We have just a few more episodes before we hit the 100th one. And we want our 100th episode to be full of you homeschooling moms, our Coffee with Carrie listeners and supporters. We want to hear what you have to say and how you've used some of the tips and suggestions that we've shared in past Coffee with Carrie episodes in your own homeschooling. Now, if you would like to be a part of our 100th episode, then tell us what Coffee with Carrie episode helped you the most, or which episode was the most encouraging, or how have you used some of the advice or ideas in a particular episode in your own homeschooling? Share with us why you enjoy Coffee with Carrie podcast and when and how you listen to it. Now record yourself and try to answer the question in one minute or less. Now don't forget in the recording to include your first name, where you're from, and how long you've been homeschooling. And send those recordings to coffeewithcarriehomeschool at gmail.com. The link will be in the show notes. We'll include your comments and recording in our hundredth episode. Now, if you heard something you like, then share our podcast with a friend who might need a little encouragement this week, or with a homeschooling friend looking for simple ways to enjoy nature. Thank you in advance for listening to us each week and for sharing our podcast, book, and homeschooling mom ministry with your friends. We're so very honored and grateful. It's our prayer that our website, our homeschooling consulting services, our podcast, and our book will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time and one cup of coffee at a time. We're praying for you. Stay healthy. God bless. And see you next time.